Okay, guys, we are in Colossians. We're in Colossians chapter 3. We've got four more weeks. We're going to finish up Colossians and, and do Philemon. Philemon is often tied to the letter to the Colossians. And uh, so we've got four more weeks in our study, but uh, we're going to look at lesson 10 today. And we're going to talk about Christ-centered relationships. Now, this ties in with what he just discussed about with, with us in the, in the earlier passage was about the new man. Did you, you know, you're to put off the old man, the old self, and you're to be the new man, and we talked about the new man, and so now he's going to talk about Christ-centered relationships. Now, you need to understand that what these relationships and how you are to function in these relationships comes out of the discussion that we just had about the new man. Does everybody understand? You need to be striving to be the new you, and that's going to be reflected in your relationships. Now, he's going to look specifically at three specific relationships here. And they are the husband-wife relationship, parent-child relationship, and uh, master-slave relationship. Now, why does he focus on these three? He does this here. He also does it in uh, Ephesians. Why does he do that? Well, because Roman culture and society, the basic makeup of Roman culture and society was three basic relationships. Husband-wife, parent-child, and master-slave. In fact, most of the Roman Empire was made up of slaves. Okay. Now, when you think of slavery in Roman times, let me just go ahead and explain that to you. When you think of slavery during Roman times, I do not want you to think of slavery in terms of the slavery that we had here in the United States. Slavery, all slavery is evil, all slavery is wrong, but in their culture, slaves could own slaves in the Roman culture. Alright? Slaves could own slaves. That's really odd, isn't it? Slaves could own slaves in the Roman culture. And the other aspect is that... um, it's possible for slaves to have property and have wealth, just that they were owned by somebody else. So we're going to talk about those three primary relationships here today. So let's start with the first one, and we're going to look at the parallel passage over in Ephesians as well. The first one we're going to see is in Colossians chapter 3, uh, verses 18 through 19. Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Okay, now let's let's look. I've, I've got it marked down. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 24 is the parallel passage in the Ephesian letter where Paul talks about the same thing. He says this, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. All right, so let's talk about this first of all. Some of these passages can be be controversial, and some of these passages have been misinterpreted. So I'm going to try to approach it from a biblical standpoint to help you to understand what's going on. Especially if you've been in Baptist circles, independent Baptist circles, there, there's a big emphasis put on this passage 
And it's not necessarily in a in a in a um, a good way towards women. Okay, so let's talk about it. First of all, it's a command. It's not suggesting that women are inferior to men. When we talk about the issue of submission here, let me just go ahead and tell you that Paul is not in any way suggesting that women are inferior to men. Let me just go ahead and tell you that right off the bat. Because sometimes when you listen to some preachers or some teachers, especially from certain independent circles or whatever, it's almost like the woman is just flat out inferior to men, period. That is not what he's talking about here. He is not talking about them being inferior. Let's go on. It is not that all women must be in subjection to all men at every in every situation. Okay? Some have misinterpreted these passages to mean that women in general should be subject to men in general, any man. That is not what this is talking about. It's very specific. It's talking about husband and wife relationships here. It is not talking about you, if you're a woman, being subject to any other man. It's not talking about that here. Okay? You can't make it say that. And it's been made to say that. So let's let's go on here. Here's the other thing. Submission is not obedience. When we talk about the biblical word submission here, it's not talking about that the wife is to be obedient to the husband. He didn't use the word, wives, obey your husbands. Did you notice that? Look at your Bible. Everybody look at your Bible here. Look at that verse, verse 18. Does he use the word obey? Does he say there, wives, obey your husbands? Does he say that? Okay, has anybody got a weird translation that says that? Even in the King James it doesn't say that, okay? It uses the word submission. I want you to recognize something here. In fact, if you go a little bit further, if you go to verse 20, look down at verse 20, you're going to see there when it comes to the parent-child relationship, he uses the word obey there. Did you notice that? So he, he's using the word obey, but he uses it in reference to children being obedient to their parents. He's not using the word obey with reference to the wife and the, and the husband. Do you understand? So, okay, what does it mean? It's a voluntary response to God's will to give up one's independent rights. That's what submission is. Women and men are equal. Let me just go ahead and... We're equal before God. Okay? Now, we're different gender-wise. But the biblical thing is what it's saying here. In response to God's will, in the order that he has set up, one gives up their independent rights for the sake of the other. Okay? For the sake of the other. In fact, let me just say, let me go ahead and tell you this. If you go to Ephesians chapter 5 verse 21, there he's telling us that all of us are to be in submission to what? Each other. Okay? All of us are to be in submission to each other. Does that mean obey each other? No, no. It means that I give up my individual rights for the sake of others. 
for the sake of God's will. So it's a voluntary response here. So, again, the point is, both the husband and wife are equal. You're not superior to your wife. Okay? Your wife already knows that. Okay? She might tell you that. All right? But she may not. She may be humoring you to think that, you, that you're superior, but you're not. You are equal to her. Okay, so let's talk about it then. What is the command here? Wives are to place themselves under the leadership of their husbands. That's what the issue is here. When it talks about submission, wives submitting to your husbands, it's talking about you placing yourself under the leadership of your husband in your home. That's what the issue is here. The issue isn't about blind obedience. The issue isn't about your wife being a doormat. Okay? That you can wipe your feet on when you come in the door. Okay? The issue is you submitting to the leadership of your husband. And I, and I already know, maybe he's not a good enough leader. Okay? Maybe, and, and everybody can say, well, you know, he's not been a good leader, or he, you know, he, he's made mistakes over here, and he's done this, and I've had to bail him out and everything. I understand all that. But God, it's, when you talk about the issue of submission, it's you voluntarily submitting to God's will. God tells you to submit to Him. This isn't George telling you that. Okay? God's telling you that. Submit to their leadership. Okay? So, here's what he's saying then. There's limits to the submission. It's not a blind submission. There's limits to it. Paul's going to tell us that there's limits here to the submission. What do you mean? What's the limit? The moral limit to such submission is what is fitting to the Lord. Look at what he says there in verse 18. Submit to your own husbands as is fitting to the Lord. Okay, so you and I are supposed to, I mean, wives are supposed to submit to their husbands, that is, submit to their leadership, but the limit to that, the moral limit to that, is what is fitting to the Lord. Did you understand what I'm saying? So there's a limit to even the submission for a, for a, for a, for a, for a spouse. Okay? Now, you know, through the years I've heard crazy stuff, I mean, I've heard sermon after sermon about women coming and getting right at the altar and all of that, that is not anything in these passages. That is not what it's talking about here. What it's talking about is women placing themselves under the leadership of their husbands. In fact, here's what it says. Paul goes one step further. When you look at that passage in Ephesians 5, he tells the wives later, he said, he reiterates the command to the husbands, husbands love your wives, but he says this to the, to the wife. He doesn't say submit again, he says this time he uses the word respect. See, that's the issue. It's placing yourself under the leadership of your husband. That's the issue here, okay? Now he goes on verse 19, he talks about husbands. You're like, Phew. Boy, okay, time to pick on them for a while. Okay, let's pick on them. Look at what he says there, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter towards them. Okay, here's the thing. Look at the parallel passage is Ephesians. 
uh, Ephesians chapter 5. Now let me read you the parallel passage. Here he expands it even more. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ has also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she be holy and without blemish. So husbands ought to love their own wives as they love their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let each one of you in particular so love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Okay? So, the first thing I want you to see here is this. Husbands are to love their wives. And when you look at the Ephesian passage, love is not a feeling. Does everybody understand what it's saying there? When you look at the Ephesian passage, he's talking about a love that's not, oh, I love you, and have emotional, bubble, bubbly, blubbery, whatever, you know, feelings. Okay? It's not talking about emotional love here. That's a component but it's actually talking more than that. It's, it's love in action towards your spouse because you're going to nourish and cherish her. You're going to, to help her just like you would take care of your own body. Okay? You would take care of your spouse. He's saying love, love your spouse. Then he goes on and adds to it. It's like I, he must have known some marriages. Husbands must not respond to their wives with harshness or bitterness. Okay? I mean, obviously we know that in marriages there are tensions sometimes. Tensions in marriage. That goes all the way back to the fall. Okay? All the way back to the fall. And here he's saying, you know, you gotta love your spouse, you gotta love your wife, and don't respond to her in what? Harshness or bitterness. Harshness or bitterness. Now, before we move on to the parent-child thing, I want you to notice something. Look at verse 18. Is there a limit on the wife's submission? Look at that verse. Is there a limit? I told you already. Okay, yes, as is fitting to the Lord. There's a limit on the submission. Now I want you to look at verse 19. Is there a limit on the issue of loving your, your wife? No, there's no limit there. Notice something. He's saying to the wife, you, you, you place yourself under their leadership as is fitting to the Lord. You, there's your limit. There's your moral limit to what you do. But then when he turns around and says to the guy, hey, love your wife. And don't be harsh and bitter towards her. There's no limit there. He doesn't give an exception. Well, these are the instances where you shouldn't love your wife. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are the instances where you shouldn't love your wife. To the wife, she says, you submit to his leadership except when it doesn't fit the Lord. But for the husband, you love her. Period. 
You love her, period. That's what he's saying here. Okay, let me just stop for a moment. Now, we can look at that and we can say, wow, okay, I see what God wants me to do. But man, that is tough. It's tough. Let's just admit it, right? Don't, don't even shake your head. This is tough. How can we do that? Go back to the section before. It comes out of being a new person, a new man. Did you understand what I'm saying? It is because of Christ's work in your life that what he's calling you to here, he will enable you to do that. Did you understand what I'm saying? He's not calling you to a standard here in your relationship with your spouse that you can't handle without him helping you because you're a new person now. Do you, do you understand what I'm saying? He's calling you to this. comes out of that aspect of the new you. Now look at verses 21, 20 and 21. We're going to look here at the parent-child relationships. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children, lest they become discouraged. Okay, so let's look here. Children are to obey their parents in all things. Pretty flat out, you know, obedience. In fact, from the Old Testament to the New Testament, you're to obey your parents, children, okay? Now when I say that, I'm not talking about a 30-year-old child who's still living at home. Okay? That in itself is a conundrum that could maybe have another discussion, but that's not what this passage is talking about. Okay? What it's talking about is an adolescent child who is under your direction in your home. Do you understand what I'm saying? All right? But I want you to notice something here. Look at what Ephesians, here's the parallel passage, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1 to 3. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and your mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you, and that you may live long on the earth. This is why we, you know, this is what I try to tell my kids, like when we have a discussion. You know, just the other day, we were, one of them wanted to do something. We said, okay, here's what you got to do. You got to do this. Well, I don't want to do that. Well, I guess you don't want to go do that then. Because we're not not allowing you to go do that. We're just saying there has to be some parameters. Okay? And obedience here is, if, if you take Paul in Ephesians, looks at it and says, because it's for your training. It's for you. It's, it's so that you live long, so that you're safe. That's the point here. And so obedience to parents pleases the Lord. Being obedient to your parent pleases the Lord. Okay? Now, verse 21, he goes to the parent. Now he's going to focus specifically not on mom. Okay? Now notice something. It's interesting. He's talking about parent-child relationships here, but he's not focusing on mom here. Look at who he focuses on. Look at verse 21. It starts out with who? Fathers. Why? Because he already said that the wife is to what? Submit to the leadership. So that in their culture, the father was the head of the home. Here's, In fact, here's what it was like in Roman culture. Okay? Roman culture, the dad had the power of the sword in the home. What do you mean by that? The dad could throw his own child into chains. 
imprison him. The dad could even, are you ready for this, and this happened, could even execute a death penalty on his children if they didn't obey. That was Roman law. Okay? The power of the home was in the dad. Okay? Was in the dad. Alright? So you gotta understand that was their culture. That was their culture. And, and so he's talking to dads here because they're the ones who are the primarily dis, disciplinary force in the home here. And so here's what he's saying. Look at what he says, verse 21. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Here's the parallel passage in Ephesians. Again, Ephesians. And fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. Wrath there is the word emotional outburst. Okay? Don't exasperate them. Okay? Do not provoke them, but bring them up in training and admonition of the Lord. That's what your purpose is in disciplining, is to train them to grow in their relationship with Christ. So here's what he's saying. Fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. That's tough, because sometimes I just want to lecture. Do you know what I'm talking about? I'm like, do you have my attention? Do you know what I'm saying? And, and, and it's saying here, look, don't provoke them. Don't provoke them. Because sometimes we do, I'll be honest with you, dads, we lose our minds. We do. And, and we think we're going to, and we try to provoke them to try to get a response out of them, but we actually get the opposite response. He's saying here, don't do that. Okay? Don't do that. Here, why? Provoking your children will only make them discouraged. That's the point here. You're not helping them. You're only discouraging them. You're only discouraging them. Okay. Let's go on to verse 22 through chapter 4, verse 1. He's going to talk about masters and slaves. Verse 22. Bond servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as man pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. Whatever you do, do heartily as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Okay, the parallel passage here is Ephesians 6, 5 through 8. Bond servants, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh, with fear and trembling, with sincerity of heart, and as to Christ, not with eye service as man-pleasers, but as bond servants of Christ, doing the will of God from the heart, with good will doing service, as to the Lord, not to man, knowing that whatever good anyone does, he will receive the same from the Lord, whether he is slave or free. Okay, so let's look at a couple things here. First of all, it must be noted that Paul is not condoning slavery here. So before you read these passages and say, well, I don't know if I agree with Paul now, it sounds like he's okay with slavery. No, he isn't okay with slavery. He never has been okay with slavery. But Paul is preaching to the reality of his time. Do you understand? He is communicating to a culture that despises Christianity. And he's trying to give instructions to Christian slaves 
how to respond to their masters. Okay? Because their situation isn't going to change. Do you understand? At the start of Christianity, it would be several centuries before slavery would be wiped out. Do you understand what I'm saying? So nothing's changing. He's just talking about how they're to respond. He's not condoning it. He's just talking about this is how you live with the situation you're in. Okay? This is how you live with the situation. Rather, Paul is telling Christian slaves how to live in a culture that accepts slavery. Okay? Because I'll be honest with you, they, the Romans, looked had a dim view of anyone that would reject slavery. Because they were freaked out by the thought of slaves rebelling. In fact, remember, how many of you saw the movie, several movies now, I guess, Spartacus? Remember when Kirk Douglas was Spartacus? Okay. That was an actual historical event, and it really affected the mindset of the Roman Empire that anybody who would even suggest freedom for slaves, they were killed. Do you understand what I'm saying? They were killed. They were executed. Because that struck at the fiber of their whole culture. So Paul's not condoning it here. He's just telling people how to live in it. Okay? He's just telling people how to live in it. So here's what he's saying. About the, the parallel in our culture would be like an employer-employee relationship. That's about as close as thing. And I've heard some people say, yeah, I feel like a slave to my boss. Okay? That's the closest thing. Only you have a choice, you could quit your job. Although some people feel they can't quit their job. Okay? So here's what he's saying. Slaves are to obey their masters in all things. Be obedient to your masters. Now again, notice now, he didn't use the word submission here. Did he? Okay? He's not using the word submission here. He's using the word again, what? Obey. Because that... It's legally where they're at. Alright? So they obey their masters in all things. Their service must not only be for appearance or for favoritism. When it talks about eye service, they're not just to do their work just so they look like they're doing it. Okay? Or they're not just to do their work to try to gain favor with the, their master. So when you do your work, he's saying, don't just do it so it looks like you're doing a good job. Or even don't just do it so that you get in good with the boss or with the master. Okay? That's his point here. Their service must be done sincerely because they fear God. See, you do what you do, he's saying to the slaves, because you have a fear, not of your master. You have a fear of the ultimate one who's God who puts you in that situation. Okay? Let's go on now. Their service must be done wholeheartedly to the Lord, not to men. When you work, you do what you're doing to God, not to the guy you're, you're, you're working for. That's what he's saying here. It's for the Lord. Then the servants, servants know that their reward inheritance comes from Jesus Christ. Ultimately, you know where your, your inheritance and your reward comes from. Who's taking care of you? It's not the man giving you the paycheck. In fact, he's probably not paying you enough. It's God who's ultimately going to reward you. Do you understand what I'm saying? That's where you recognize here. That's what you recognize. All right, so then, here's what he says. The consequences. Servants who do wrong will be punished in the judgment. 
What? Here's what he's saying. You don't do right now. Yeah, you might get punished by your boss, but you're going to face an ultimate judgment later on from the Lord. Because the Lord is the one who's telling you how to respond now. Disobedience now is going to be punished later on. Well, you mean I'm going to lose my salvation? No, that's, no you're not going to lose your salvation, but you'll lose your rewards. Did you understand what I'm saying? You'll lose your rewards. See, this is why we got to have an eternal perspective. You're not just worried about the man coming down on you. You're also worried about what's God going to do with you. Okay? So then he talks to masters. Look at verse 1. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. Ephesians 6, 9 says this, And you masters do the same thing to them, giving up threatening, knowing that your own master is also in heaven, and there is no partiality with him. So here's what it's saying. Masters are to give servants what is just and fair. You know, if you're in that role of a master or a boss, you need to recognize that God's calling you to do what's right, do what's just and fair for your for the people who are under you, okay? For the master, you're to do what's right for your slaves. They are to do this because they have a master in heaven whom they're accountable to. You know, yeah, you might be in charge, master, but you're accountable to somebody. So you do what's right. Okay? You do what's right. You do what's right. Okay, so those are the three relationships. Again, think about them in terms of why does he specifically mention three relationships here? Because it's the very basis of the fiber of their culture. Husband, wife, parent, child, master, slave. And he's talking about how to function in that. Again, keep it in your mind. With the wife, he's saying, submit or place yourself under the leadership. He says to the other two, obey. He's not using the word obey to the wife. Okay? So just keep that in mind. Now, let's stop for a moment. You can look at that and say, Holy cow, man, what are you asking me to do? First of all, I'm not asking you to do it. The Lord's asking you to do it. All right, number one. Number two is this. Understand this. Even when it seems that what he's asking is impossible, because you don't know who I'm living with. Okay. He always asks us to do things that even seem impossible because he wants to do them through us. He's the one who enables us to do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? He's the one who strengthens us to do it. So, okay, first, is you like, guys, well, you don't know how much my wife nags me, and you want me to quit being harsh to her? Well, he just told you not to be that way, didn't he? So, you need to allow God to give you the strength to be that way. Not be bitter towards them. Not be harsh towards them. Do you understand what I'm saying? So you go to him and you say, Lord, you're asking me to do the impossible. And in my own strength, I can't do it. So Jesus, you've got to do it through me. You've got to do me through And it's just like with everything else, you're going to stumble, right? But you've got to pick yourself up and move on and say, God, I didn't do right this time, but I need you to help me to do right the next time. 
And you keep going on. See, this is the point of the passage. All right? 